You are listening to Recommended, where we talk to interesting people about their favorite books. From childhood favorites to classics to new and forthcoming reads, you'll hear how the people who make books happen have been influenced by the ones they've read. Today, Sonali Dave chose Love Lettering by Kate Claiborne, and Maris Kreisman chose An Inconvenient Woman by Dominic Dunn. USA Today bestselling author Sonali Dave writes Bollywood-style love stories that let her explore issues faced by women around the world while still indulging her faith in a happily ever after. Her books have been on NPR, Washington Post, Library Journal, and Kirkus Best Books of the Year lists, but Sonali is most smug about shelf awareness calling her, quote, not only one of the best, but also one of the bravest romance novelists working today, unquote. Her latest novel, Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors, is the first in a new series about the Rajes, an immigrant Indian family descended from royalty who have built their lives in San Francisco. Hi, everyone. My name is Sonali Dev, um, and today I'm going to recommend Kate Claiborne's Love Lettering, uh, which is this gorgeous, gorgeous romance. It's this gorgeous romance with this fabulous sisterhood and friendship and just, just, it's just such a great life story. So I'm excited to recommend that. I believe it comes out January of 2020. I have read some of Kate's previous books and her writing is gorgeous and delightful. Um, and so when um, I was asked if I'd like to, <laughs> if I was asked if I would like to read um, an arc, um, it was uh, like, well, duh. <laughs> Yes, how soon can I get it? And I was on deadline um, and I had a whole lot of family stuff going on. I didn't have a moment to breathe, but I just said, let me, when a book arrives on my Kindle, I have this thing where I need to at least read that first paragraph, right? It's that just that hunger for a new book and you just have to kind of crack it open, right? So I thought to myself, very delusionally I will read one paragraph of this book and put it away and get to work (laughs) and of course I read the whole thing because it's just it was those it's that kind of book where one line makes you hungry for the next for the next the whole book kind of makes this this thing open up inside you and the only thing I mean there's it's not a book about food but this hunger for emotion and just for these people's lives just opens up inside you you know what I'm saying it's that it's that thing there's just some books have that magic where it's just the words are going they're like an IV they're being fed straight into your heart right and and you just have to follow them so it's it's one of those it's it's exquisitely written so the premise is Meg who is the protagonist the female protagonist is um, is an artist but who is a lettering artist so her art is to be able to trap emotion and feeling and mood in letters which is alphabets and words and she has recently seen stardom in that niche and she is so she's known as the planner of Park Slope or something like that because she she does custom planners, custom lettering for elite clientele in New York City. And she has recently done some high profile projects and become a, a kind of star. So it's not just something she does. 
but it's almost all of herself is in that art, right? So she is so closely connected with the letters she creates that she can't help herself. She has this thing where she puts in messages. So if I've gone to her with a project, she she can't help but code what she's feeling about me and that project into those uh, letters. And she does this secretly because she's not really proud of it. It's something almost she can't help. So there's this couple, this gorgeous, um, extremely successful, you know, perf- seemingly perfect couple that comes to do their wedding program. And she can't help but code a message into their wedding program. And a year after that, this man, the groom, who she remembers very clearly uh, because he's unforgettable to her, comes to her and asks her why she left a message in that program. And (laughs) so he uncodes this thing nobody else is able to uncode in her words. And he's come back. And of course, the marriage never, I mean, the wedding never happens. And they don't get married. And he comes back looking for how she knew it was not going to happen. And it's their story. So it's these two. And he, of course, is, a, you know, one of uh, he's, a, he's a mathematical genius and cracking codes is his thing. So she can't help making codes and he can't help cracking them. And there's this beautiful, isn't that just the most gorgeous thing? It's, it's this beautiful connection that happens between them. So A, it's the story of an artist who can't separate herself from her art, which feels very, very deeply personal, I think, to me. And I think it will to anybody who loves something beyond reason, something that they do beyond reason. I think the best thing about this book for me was how vulnerable it is, right? So how you can just see to the, there's, there's not a false note in the book so you can completely she cracks these characters open and they're not your fierce characters in the way that you know we're taught to see strength in society they don't see themselves as strong they're trying to be stronger than they are which itself is incredibly strong they have challenges they have natural challenges they have challenges that come from their upbringing they're not a completely socially confident they have so many things standing in their way and yet they're always trying to be the best versions of themselves and the best versions of these this art and love that they have. And they're both characters who are incredibly connected to what they do. It's not just a job, but it's who they are on the inside. And I think that kind of made it very, very special to me. First and foremost, when I say it's beautiful writing, it is the kind of sentences that you want to stop and kind of go back and read and wrap around yourself. Just the placement of her words and how she does prose is really beautiful. But I think what she wants to say is even more beautiful. She's actually talking about these flawed characters who very badly don't want to be flawed and who very badly want to take each other's pain away. The kind of romance that I love to read, you know, is this journey romance. And I do believe that is the essence of romance, is where you take these uh, people who feel unlovable or have reasons to feel um, unlovable and you make that journey from them feeling that way to them being at a place where they believe themselves worthy of love. And what's also beautiful, I think, with this book, I I have to talk about it. She sets up this world of um, secondary characters. She sets up this world of sisterhood. And for me, as an immigrant, 
creating home away from home is also something that touches me and means something to me very deeply. And so it's this beautiful friendship story also because her best friend is also an artist and there's this lovely secondary plot between the two of them where there are two artists and one sees success and the other sees struggle and how as friends do we deal with that because we see this all the time. We have to often deal with our own success when our friends are struggling and the opposite of it when we're struggling we see our friends succeed and dealing with that I think that's a very universal experience and these two women are going through that through this book and the way they deal with it is with so much sensitivity and yet not in such a real way because it it may always be sensitive but it's often how we are in these situations which is you know which is selfish and unkind to ourselves and all of that I think that was one of my favorite takeaways from this book is she has this theme of learning to fight. How you fight makes you the person you are. And so she learns to fight in a way that doesn't take things she wants away from her. Because when we run away, we've lost the thing before we fought for it, right? So she learns to fight the good fight. And that's her journey. And that's beautiful to take that story and then to tell it in this sensitive and tender way is where the beautiful writing comes in. So she's not described, just describing sunsets, right? But she's describing that sunset in her soul, to be very trite. (laughs) Why it's relevant to her. And it's just beautiful how she does it. I want to talk about him, about Reed, because I didn't say anything at all about him. But what I do want to say about him is we tend to, and I think this is changing, but traditionally we've tended to uh, idolize a certain kind of man. That whole alpha, I shouldn't even say that word, (laughs) but that whole alpha male thing in romance, which I'm not a fan of. (laughs) I'll just go ahead and say it. And I also am not a fan of dividing human beings into the whole alpha beta labels. But I think that this is a man of so much brilliance and so much strength and so much nobility but who is also extremely vulnerable and extremely aware of his faults and deals with illnesses. Life is not easy for him. And and I think that to see that in a man is just very, very beautiful. That was Sonali Dev recommending Love Lettering by Kate Claiborne. Her novel, Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors, published by William Morrow, is available wherever books are sold. You can follow her on Twitter at Sonali underscore Dev That's S-O-N-A-L-I underscore D-E-V. Today's episode is brought to you by W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated. So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student, but how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. 
So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to WW Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publisher of the smash hit Fourth Wing. You'll only cross these blades once in a page-turning new tale of revenge strategy and so many lies. Best-selling Red Tower Books is releasing its next year's will read that will capture your imagination and keep you guessing until the end. May Corlin's Five Broken Blades tells an intricate high-stakes tale of five total strangers united in a plot that will test their strength, wits, and courage. Each has their reasons, all have secrets. But while it's easy to portray a stranger, it's not so simple to stab a friend or a lover, okay, in the back. Now these five blades must choose between vengeance and one another. Pick up five broken blades by Mae Corlin for a thrilling, adventurous tale filled with risk, romance, adventure, and oh, so many lies. The relationships in it are complex and nuanced and involve everything from friends to enemies found in biological family and lovers and more. Thanks again to Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publishers of the smash hit Fourth Wing for sponsoring this episode. Maris Kreisman is the host of the Maris Review, a literary podcast from LitHub in which she talks to authors you should know about their own books and the books they love the shows and films they've watched, the music they've listened to, and the links they've clicked. She's the creator of Slaughterhouse 90210, a blog and book published by Flatiron Books that celebrates the intersection of literature and pop culture. She's also an essayist and critic whose work has appeared in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Vanity Fair, BuzzFeed, The Hairpin, Out Magazine, and more. My name is Maris Kreisman, and my recommendation is An Inconvenient Woman by Dominic Dunn. It's a hard book to summarize because there are so many different little subplots and so many little different things that all end up coming together at the end. But basically, there's a murder in Hollywood, and we find out later that a very powerful man who's like too fancy for Hollywood is is involved in, in this murder. And we meet the inconvenient woman of the title is his mistress. So he meets this waitress in West Hollywood and he grooms her for his fancy life as if she were Eliza Doolittle. When I was a kid, my mom used to summarize the plots of books that I was too young to read, but that she was reading. And so I remember all of these different stories that were fascinating to me and made no sense. I remember hearing about Lestat and like the entire Anne Rice world. And then I remember her talking about People Like Us, which is another Dominic Dunn book. And it was only later that I realized like, oh, rich people and vampires, they have, they have a lot in common. <laughs> so An Inconvenient Woman was one of the first adult books that I was able to read on my own without my mom having to summarize. I think I was 11. The book came out in 1990, so it just depends on if I was 11 or 12. It's funny because in so much of An Inconvenient Woman, so many of the characters look down on Hollywood that it was my first experience even being aware that it wasn't all glamorous and these people weren't gods. Like that there were people above the gods who were more powerful and wealthier and meaner. <laughs> and that's something I didn't know. I didn't know that there was 
society in Los Angeles that had nothing to do with Hollywood. When I first started reading, quote unquote, adult books, I read all of Dominic Dunn, all of him. I went back and read the two Mrs. Grenvilles and people like us. So like, there's something wealth porny about that, I suppose. Dominic Dunn was the ultimate kind of first writer to become obsessed with because his books are so readable. <laughs> and An Inconvenient Woman's like 450 pages, but it just flies by. Helping to develop that love of reading is definitely something that he and this book did for me. I always thought I was just going to be a reader. And I don't know, I'm trying to imagine what at 11 I wanted to be. I think I still wanted to be a Broadway star at the time, <laughs> you know, who just like read backstage during her um, breaks. But it's it's very funny now how people talk about how many, particularly women in, in my age range and social situation, have a hero worship relationship with Joan Didion. And I never did. I mean, I love her. I, I love everything I've read by her, but it, it's never been like, I want to hang her photo on the wall and look dreamily at it. But Dominic Dunn was her brother-in-law and I was obsessed with him. I was like a real fangirl at age 11 or 12. Um, and, and I stick by that a lot. Like I, he was a good person to be obsessed with. I think that he, for me and for so many Vanity Fair readers, I think, exposed a world that I had never spent much time in. And of course, there was a lot of darkness and evil and abuse of power and misogyny and homophobia and racism and any kind of ism you can ever imagine. But there was also... It felt like he was giving you a sneak peek into this world you'd never be invited into on your own. And most of his books, I think, are about these special social situations that very few rarely get to take part in. I don't know if it's real or not. Like, I want to believe it's real. I know that all of his books are based on real stories, like real crimes and real scandals. And so when he tells me, like, the kind of glass that the scotch was poured into or what brand the carpet was. I just believe him because I have no idea. And I think it was my first exposure to the idea that like, there are things that you will not get to experience in the world, but you can always read about them. Once I knew I was picking this book, I figured I should give it another read and see how it holds up. And I was worried. I was <laughs> I was very worried going into it. But for the most part, it really does. It's a little ahead of its time, even in terms of questioning power structures and bringing some humanity towards the outsiders. Certainly, it's not not problematic because I feel like anything you're going to write about rich people in the 80s and 90s is going to be problematic in some way. But I think there is a certain moral compass there. And what most impressed me was how Dominic Dunn structured this story. It's actually quite intricate. We meet so many different characters. And I was thinking back to when I was 11, like, I don't remember having trouble telling anybody apart or, or remembering who's who. And I think that's a huge feat in and of itself. 
on rereading, I was able to see how all of these, the different pieces of the plot came together. And, and it was really masterful. From a writer perspective, on my reread, I was amazed by how readable this book was, even though it had a zillion things going on. And I, I could only hope <laughs> that, that I could do such a thing one day. He's so good at putting a big, beautiful backdrop on a big scene that's going to move the plot in 90 different ways. My pitch is usually, you know, I am asked for book recommendations a lot, and I find that one category of book that people always want to know more, uh, you know, want to have more options on is something that I can get lost in. And his books are so good at that because you really do feel like you're in another world. I find like I become like a snob by default. <laughs> like I was watching Succession recently and there's a scene where an actress is introduced to this playboy's billionaire father and she keeps saying awesome. This is awesome. That kind of thing is the kind of thing that would stick out for me in a Dominic Dunn book. Like, ooh, don't do that. Even though I would probably do that. Like, ooh, we're all better than this. Let's be better than this. <laughs> it's like a completely different mindset. It really just kind of sweeps you away in its plot, which is amazing. When I was even thinking about, is this the book that I would want to recommend on your podcast? I was thinking, I don't know how other listeners feel, but like certainly my class rage has gotten <laughs> fiercer and stronger over the years. And certainly this quote unquote wealth porn might not be for everyone. And that's entirely understandable. But again, I just feel like it's the secret corners of that world that, that are so intriguing to me. That was Maris Kreisman recommending An Inconvenient Woman by Dominic Dunn. You can listen to her podcast, The Maris Review, wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can follow her on Twitter at Maris Kreisman. That's M-A-R-I-S-K-R-E-I-Z-M-A-N. Many thanks to Sonali Dev and Maris Kreisman for joining us and sharing some favorite reads. Thanks also to our sponsors for making today's episode possible. If you like what you've heard, please do drop by on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or a review. We're always happy to see the feedback and reviews help other bookish listeners to find our show. You can find show notes, including titles mentioned, at bookriot.com slash recommended, and you can email us feedback, personal favorites, and suggestions at recommended at bookriot.com. <laughs>